the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Today we're going to talk about nurturing the nursing mother. Even as a new mother focuses her energy on meeting the needs of her little one and learning how to breastfeed, she's going through a lot of changes, both physically and emotionally. If you've ever been a mother, and you probably have been or you wouldn't be listening, you know that even in ideal circumstances, caring for your baby and yourself can be very challenging. Sometimes your expectations don't really match with the reality. Maybe your baby needs special care. Maybe they need to be in a separate area of the hospital. Maybe they even need to be in a different hospital. And sometimes you may end up feeling very overwhelmed. So instead of being able to bring the baby right to the breast, sometimes you find yourself in some less than cozy circumstances, either because your baby is sick or because... You're just having all of those really difficult changes that have occurred as you become a parent. So I think the question really is, how can family and caregivers support new mothers and babies? How can mothers prepare for their baby's stay if they're separated? How can healthcare providers ensure that they nurture the vulnerable new mother and her baby? We're going to find out today as we talk with my guest, Sherry Spacko. Sherry is a lactation consultant in the maternity unit of the Norwood Hospital in Norwood, Massachusetts. And uh, she specializes in providing help for more complicated situations requiring hands-on help. And she teaches daily breastfeeding classes on the unit as well. So Sherry has really seen everything from the very normal situations to some of the not-so-cozy situations. Sherry, welcome to the show. Thank you, Marie, for having me. I appreciate it. So, Sherry, talk to us a little bit about one of the things I've kind of noticed is that sometimes women's expectations of how it's going to go Everybody has like this warm and fluffy idea of how the baby is going to just go right up there and latch right on and everything is just going to be hunky-dory. And sometimes it really is, but sometimes it really isn't. Can you know, you- it's really, yeah, you know, it's really interesting um, that that's what most moms will think is going to happen. And, you know, it's funny, not just moms, but most people, people will yeah. often say to me, what do you do for work? Oh, what yeah. is that a breastfeeding? Just What's the baby on? Yeah. Um, and, you know, for those of us who do this and for those new mommies, we know that it doesn't usually work that way or I probably wouldn't have a job. 
Um, My mother used to say to me, I don't even understand why you have a job. Right. Right. <laughs> and, that, and that really is a cross. But, you know, you brought up a really good point when you and I were having some discussions before about the difference in various places where we live, which I think is a really interesting thing because here in, here in our country, we really need to have some support for these moms. Um, you know, these babies are, moms are staying in the hospital 48, 72 hours. Um, yes. And then we say, see you later, go home, have a great day. And they're sitting there and they really don't know what to do. Um, well, well, sometimes we, they're sitting there in a pile of tears. Uh, ab- absolutely. And we see other cultures um, where, you know, um, their mother or their mother-in-law or somebody from their country will come over and stay with them uh, for six months and things, you know, work out so well. So it's really interesting culturally where we're at. Oh, absolutely. There are whole cultures where women are nurtured for 40 days. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah, we give them about four hours, and then we say, here's the refrigerator. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. Get up to your own thing. That's why I think it's um, so important that mom gets um, some realistic information prior to delivery. Um, I think the prenatal period is really important. Sherry, talk to us about that prenatal period, because a lot of times women don't get any information whatsoever, or worse yet, they get information where they think that this is all going to be just, you know, duck soup. And it, if it is, that's great, but sometimes it isn't. What do you think are some of the myths that women have heard or just plain things that maybe they just haven't heard and you think are really critical for helping, helping that whole process to just go better with breastfeeding? Well, you know, I always think that it's interesting of what we actually ask a mom when she comes in for her first prenatal visit. Um, you know, have you figured out how you're going to feed your baby? Um, and, and then they say yes or no, and somebody checks off a box, and then yep. they just keep going through, through their stuff. So, yeah. you know, I think it's really important that, you know, and moms hear the horror stories from their friends about oh, yeah. how horrible it was, and someone had crack bleeding nipples, and that's what they kind of hang on to. Mm-hmm. So I think the important piece is that they need to realize that babies breastfeed at night oh yes this is you know i'll see mommies all the time during the daytime the the baby's sound asleep everybody's passing the baby around and then at nine o'clock ten o'clock mom wants to go to bed and the baby now wants to be up um and i see that as a really big barrier well i think that more precisely it's not it's not that the baby is feeding at night that's the barrier. Nope. It's that the mother's perception Correct. is that he, he shouldn't be or wouldn't be or something Correct. like that. And, yeah, and I've worked, sorry, go ahead. I, I've worked more nights than I can count. And that was just always, you know, amazing to me. I was, I, I, it's like I was wanting to say to mothers, well, what do you think the baby's going to do? He's not going to sit in the nursery and eat watermelons. <laughs> and, and again, that, yeah, that's, and, and that's sometimes what the perception is, is that, you know, and the, and when you've got the healthcare provider, you know, I think nurses are obviously, I'm a nurse and I think that we're fabulous. Nurses want to protect that mother and they want to let sure. her quote unquote sleep. Um, oh, and, and then they're not looking at the big picture of what ends up happening with that mom two weeks down postpartum. Um, when her milk supply is low because the baby hasn't been breastfeeding enough. So prenatally on both ends, if the mom gets the correct information and we educate our nursing staff, then we can bring them both together and have a much easier time probably. Sherry, I have found over the years that if if I see that woman in labor and delivery, I might have a half a shot at helping her to develop some of these perceptions about the night feeding. Mm-hmm. But quite honestly, if she's seven centimeters, I, I, I'm 
I'm hosed. I can't. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, and postpartum, what I find is that sometimes the first time I encounter that woman is at two minutes after midnight, and there am I trying to tell her that it's really important to breastfeed her baby, and it, you know she's rotten to take a snooze. Well, what? How? If you really had the opportunity to tell something to the mom during the prenatal period, which, by the way, you've got the opportunity to tell thousands of mothers right now, yeah. what would you tell them about the importance of that night feeding? Well, you know, I always talk to, to the moms. I always make sure that the moms have the education that they need about their prolactin levels mm-hmm. um, and how important it is that the baby feeds, you know, between them in the nighttime hours. But I think even more importantly, Marie, is that we need to make sure that they have the support to do that. Yeah. Um, when I go in and I see a mom early in the morning, I start making the plan for her all day long to take naps mm-hmm. um, and to make sure that she's got somebody that's going to be in that room that in the middle of the night, she's going to be able to have somebody who's going to be awake either to hold the baby or to soothe the baby while she continues to sleep or she gets up and feeds the baby and they've got a kind of tag team. And sometimes, obviously, it's a significant other, but sometimes it can sure. be a mom or it could be a sister um, and cousins. And, and those are people who can really support her. And that way we can teach them also at the bedside what needs to happen when they go home. Sherry, so prenatally, I'll, I would love mommies to be able to have that set up before they came in. Uh, yes. Ideally, to me, it's like line up your support team if you possibly can. And the other piece is, Sherry, I feel like sort of the nasty nurse when I either throw out the visitors or suggest to the mother that she should throw out the visitors but it really kind of flies in the face of how, how are you going to get a nap when you got a room full of visitors? You're, yeah, and, and at, one of, at both of our hospitals, Marie, we have quiet time. Ah, nice. So we've okay. set it up um, at both of our hospitals, and I am at Norwood Hospital and at Newton Wellesley Hospital, um, and we have quiet time for our moms from 2 to 4, and we make an announcement um, that it's time for mom to take a rest and they can come back after 4 o'clock. Well, I would really like that a lot because as a night nurse, that would make uh, the night nurse's job a whole lot easier, I can tell you. Because if they haven't had a nap, yeah, they are whipped. Who wouldn't be? Correct. So that's yeah. that's part of that nurturing thing. Tell me this, though, Sherry. Um, relatives often mean to be helpful about, for instance, giving the baby, making sure that the baby is satisfied, whatever that is. And so they give the mother a pacifier. It's not at all unusual to see pacifiers coming up at... Uh, uh, showers, you know, baby showers. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If yep. if you were in the prenatal period, what would you tell moms about pacifiers? Well, again, I always make sure that I use the American Academy of Pediatrics whenever I can. Um, and then their recommendations are that the baby would um, not have a pass a breastfed baby wouldn't have a pacifier until breastfeeding is well established. Yeah. Um, and I would make sure that mom has that information because, of course, they do see that the uh, bottle-fed baby should get a pacifier immediately at birth to decrease their chances of SIDS. So that education piece I would have with mom um, and let her know that at our hospital we don't encourage the pacifier, that we encourage her to breastfeed instead. Yeah, I, I'm totally, I would echo every word you said and for all of those reasons, uh, for sure, definitely. So talk to us a little bit about lining up a helpful relative. Um, how, how does the, can you give the mother some sound bites for how she can ask her sister, her best friend, her aunt, whoever, to kind of come in and, you know, kind of, kind of be there during the night, kind of do that nurturing thing for her. Can you help us a little bit with that? Yeah, you know, I, I think that it's interesting because, um, you know, again, when we're talking about our culture, uh, we don't necessarily always have 
the, the positive information. So um, I would always say to her, if you want to bring um, your cousin, your aunt, your grandma in with you to meet with us prenatally, um, oh, we can have that conversation about what she would be expected to do. Um, most of the time, people are looking to help that mom. Um, sure. And they would love and they'd probably be honored to be asked to do that. Um, and we could most certainly have those kind of discussions. I think that what you just said is hugely important is that I think women sometimes feel a little strange asking for help Mm -hmm. and yet they should be aware that in other cultures that help is automatic. It is the norm. It's what everybody gets. It's not like, well, they don't have to ask for it because it's, it's kind of there. Right. And I think, I also agree with you about the part about most people do feel honored and that's the thing that mothers need to realize that it's not like they're asking somebody to put themselves out. It it's, they really like to do it. They want to be there, and they're, and they're always looking for something to do. Um, and you're right with the other cultures. And when I explain that to moms, they'll always look at me and they say, yeah, how come we don't do that here? And I'll say, you know, I happen to use the Indian culture, for, for instance, women from India. Their yes. mother, their mother-in-law comes over for six months. And yeah. um, I say, this is the culture that I, that I think we need to have here. And so um, I think it's really good that if we can ask someone to help them, that we could give them that verbiage to do that. Absolutely. Totally, totally agree. Uh, Folks, I just want to tell you that we are going to have more on the other side of the break. In the meanwhile, I would like you to check out a couple of places that would be so interesting for you if you are looking to nurture other mothers, and that would be newangel.com. That's N-U-A-N-G-E-L.com. Made by Mothers for Mothers. Shop www.newangel.com for mother and baby. I'd also like you to take a look at Nuru. Talk about closest to baby and uh, closest to mother and best for baby. This is it. It's N-U-R-O-O-B-A-B-Y.com. Free shipping on purchases over $75. Don't go away. We'll be right back, and then we'll be talking about some nurturing during labor and delivery. I'm Marie Biancuzo. I'm here with Sherry Spackle. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Your life, your health, your network. 
You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with Sherry Spackle, and we're talking about nurturing the mother. I have to tell you that I met Sherry earlier this year in uh, the greater Boston area when I gave my lactation exam review course there. And, of course, Sherry is recertifying, so she took the review course. I'd just like to remind you that if you are a lactation consultant and you are recertifying or maybe even just your comprehensive course was longer ago than what you can remember, uh, Boston was my last stop. So now what you might be wanting to look at is... Do you think Marie has a audio program that would help me to review? And the answer is, yes, I do. And you can visit me at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. And there you will find that our audio review is available. And if you've got 12 minutes a day, you can get going on it right now. Uh, Sherry, talk to us a little bit about labor support. Because I think that when we talk about nurturing the mother, to me, the really big, big piece about nurturing another woman is nurturing her during labor. How do you think that that affects breastfeeding? Because I know that some people are probably thinking, oh, well, you know, it's all over and done with. Now all she's got to do is breastfeed. Uh, I don't really think that. What do you think? No, I, and I agree with you 100%. This is just the beginning of where this yeah. starts from. Uh, and, you know, for the most part, everybody knows that we want the baby to go to breast in the first hour of life. Um, but, you know, it's very interesting because that study that was done so long ago, Marie, on the baby crawling up to the breast oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. was, was, an, was an unmedicated birth. Right. Um, it was a lettered regard study in 19, um, yep. I think, 91. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and it took him, I don't know, 50 some odd minutes to get to the breast. Um, and now, you know, we have a large epidural rate, um, especially in our country. I know across the other countries it's different. Um, but here we have a large epidural rate. So we have a baby who doesn't always necessarily come out and be able to crawl up to the breast. Sure. Right? And, and um, so he definitely, you know, there, there's very often that we need to be able to make sure that we know how to help them. Um, and again, sometimes labor and delivery just thinks, okay, we've delivered this baby. Let's put him on the chest and move them over to postpartum. Uh, I, I'll just make the, the link here for the listeners, Sherry, which is you're not implying that if you have an epidural that you can't breastfeed or anything, or that the baby won't crawl up or any of that. But you're saying the likelihood of all of those things happening very nicely and very spontaneously, the likelihood is a whole lot greater when the mother is not medicated. And, and, and by, you're 100% correct. By no means do I mean that that can't happen. What I'm saying sure. is, is that it's different. Yeah. Um, you know, that it just needs to be treated differently. And I think that that's a couple of times I've seen where they're like, okay, well, you know, the baby didn't breastfeed, so now what do we do? Um, and I am a huge hand expression advocate, Marie. I think that that's um, something that all nurses need to know how to do, how to teach a mom how to do, um, and that moms know how to do it. And that's one of the ways that we can most certainly make sure that that breast is getting the stimulation very early on. Uh, I guess my question would be, are you suggesting that mothers do it prenatally? 
No. Um, okay. You know, this is the interesting piece to the whole hand expression piece. Right. Uh, no, <laughs> I would not suggest them to do it prenatally. Um, but again, in labor and delivery, if I have a baby who's a little sleepy or sluggish um, after he's been born, then I might very well go ahead and teach mom how to do hand expression, sure. get some of that beautiful colostrum and give that to that baby um, right there in labor and delivery. Yeah, I just wanted to make that clarification. Yeah, there. <laughs> yeah. Sherry, Absolutely. one of the things that I have noticed, too, is that very often mothers are even, they're either sort of waiting for the nurse or whoever, whoever to help them with breastfeeding, but they don't always ask. Mm-hmm. Um I would say that the patient is absolutely entitled to the nurse's help. I think the nurse absolutely ought to be able to help. I think that if you work labor and delivery, I don't care. You do not need to be a lactation specialist in order to just keep the baby with the mother, learn a little bit about hand expression, all the things that you've just been talking about. You know, it's really not that big of a deal. But how can we, can you impress upon mothers how it's okay to ask if they need help? Yeah, you know, I, I think, again, I, I not only do I think it's okay to help, but I, but I ask for help, but I think the moms need to advocate for themselves, and they need to understand. Again, we'll go right back to prenatally. If you have that education, you know in labor and delivery this is what should happen, this is what you're going to go ahead and do, um, then they may find much to be much more comfortable, Marie, when they're after the baby's born, of just going ahead and getting that baby and putting them on their chest. Um, I, I do find a lot of times that moms sit there and they think, oh, i got to wait for the nurse. Um, yes. and, but by no, yeah, no, um, and absolutely we want them to be able to just pick up that baby, put that baby skin to skin, um, and let that baby kind of look around and find mom and go right ahead and breastfeed. Sherry, another one along the same lines is about rooming in. I find that some mothers are reluctant to do rooming in because they feel like, well, the nurse is just dumping off the baby and, you know, goodbye, see you later, good luck. Um, uh, Help us with that. Yeah, uh, you know, in rooming in, again, when I'm talking to mommies and I'm educating them about the rooming in process, and I, I always say to them, I'm not the quote-unquote really mean nurse who just wants your baby um, to be with you and not with us or not so that you can't get any sleep. Um, and then I talk to them about how we are wireless. Mommies are wireless, and as long as the baby's in the room with them, um, their hormones are still going to be reacting to that baby. <laughs> I love it. I um, love yeah. it. And so do moms. Moms really like that when they hear that because then they kind of get the connection. And I think that that's the important piece when we're talking about rooming in. we got to talk about the connection. Keeping that family together, keeping that mom and baby together. When I talk about separating a baby, I don't talk about going to special care. I talk about literally just taking the child off mom. Sherry, I'm thinking that in a day and age when so many of us have wireless devices, we really understand that concept (laughs) of being in the same room with the printer or the I think that's a great, great analogy. I, the, the other thing, though, that, that tickles me here is that sometimes it seems to me like, especially in that postpartum period, we give mothers a lot of rules. What are some rules that are important and what are some rules that we can ditch? Well, I think that the most important rule is that we need to meet mommy where mommy is at. Yeah, And I think that that's something that a lot of us seem to forget. And I unfortunately, I see some of it a lot of times in our lactation world. Um, we all know what the lactation rules are, Marie. We all know that the babies need to be going to breast every, you know, we don't want to be timing at the breast. We want to feed on demand. Uh, um, the more is better. Uh, but if I've got a mommy in that bed who is just, you know, 
exhausted and crying and hysterical and she can't pick up the baby, then obviously we need to curb those rules a little bit. And I don't think that it's an all or nothing. I, I mean, I never think in that. I always think right here, right now. Um, and let me just tell you, one of the things I always say to mom is I treat breastfeeding like a 12-step program. One mm. feeding at a time, Marie. Don't look back. Don't look forward. Let's just breastfeed the baby now, and then we'll keep making decisions as the feedings keep going. And I think that that's really important to be able to stay with her where she is. I would totally agree because I do think that some people get down on themselves because the last feeding didn't go very well. And then they start projecting yep. that onto, oh, and probably yeah, this they, they one. Yeah, they really goes, do. Yeah. And, no, I, I would totally agree that you just got to cut yourself a break. And sometimes mm-hmm. I think you need the nurse, the lactation consultant, the doctor, the friend, the BFF, I don't care who it is, but somebody to say to you, you know, it's okay. And one of the things that I often tell mothers is, you know, this baby and I had a little chat before we came in. And this baby told me that you are the best mother he's ever had. And this almost always is a good way of having the mother kind of, and it's true, you know, that the baby doesn't know that that it always just goes smooth. He's not thinking that at all. It, so, you know, this is definitely a conversation. I, I was in the hospital today, have the same exact conversation with a lovely mom. Um, and this happens all the time, Marie, because definitely beating themselves up. They're feeling really bad about a last feeding and or they're projecting 12 weeks from now because they're sitting there with a newborn saying to me, I have to go back to work in 12 weeks when I stop pumping. Um, And I need them to stay in where we're at. But again, taking that, you know, the first thing I go into a room, mom's eating her breakfast. She tries to push it away so she can talk to me. I tell her, keep eating. Keep eating. I I take the baby. I'll give the baby to the significant other. I'll hold the baby for her and let her have her breakfast. So, I think she needs to understand how really important mom is and the part about the baby knowing that she is the best mother that baby's ever had, and that's really key. Well, uh, the part about the uh, helping the mother to get her breakfast, that's part of nurturing the mother. Exactly. And uh, there was another comment that you just made uh, a few minutes ago. I'm trying to think now what it was, but one of the things that is especially important, I think, is for us to just watch what it is that we need to do, whether we're the nurse or the sister or the sister-in-law or the aunt or whoever we are, to really help those people. And on the other side of the break, we're going to talk more about the mother who is in a special care situation where, in fact, maybe she's really not in the same room with the baby and maybe that's you know just the, the way in which that has worked out. But truth of the matter is that woman needs nurturing in the same way. Uh, Well, not necessarily in the same way, as much so, but maybe in a different way because that's just so important to that overall breastfeeding experience. Um, I'm a big believer in the fact that nobody can read people's minds, Mm -hmm. but if you were a new mother, what are the maybe the two or three things you would really want somebody to be doing for you? Um, well, I would definitely want, I know that there's, the mom just wants to know how to breastfeed her baby because uh, that is definitely her number one priority at that point. Uh, but I'd really want someone to be able to hold the baby while I either have my lunch or my dinner or actually take a nap. 
Um, those yes. are really key pieces, I think, um, that significant others and family members and nurses that we can most certainly teach these moms um, to, to give me the baby, let me hold the baby, and you go ahead and take care of you. Let her take her shower, those kinds of things. And I would amplify that, too, that when she gets home, sometimes mm-hmm. people want to do stuff, and so they want to take care of the baby. Well, no, actually, they probably should be making a meal or doing the laundry or tidying up the house so that the mother can be with the baby because that goes back to really keeping that mother and baby together so that then help is not um, taking over, so to speak. You mentioned the go back to work. Uh, Sherry, on the other side of the break, I hope that we get a chance to talk about that because that's a real big, big piece that I often bump into as well. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with my guest, Sherry Spacco, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about the needs that mothers have and how we can nurture the mother, whether we are in a professional role or a personal role. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. I'm here today with Sherry Spacko. And we're talking about nurturing the mother, both from the perspective of what the mother can really hope for and maybe get for herself, as well as what the rest of us can do for her, whether we're in the professional role or maybe a personal role. Sherry, before we were talking about something that always makes me a little crazy, here I've got the mother, sometimes she's not even delivered, but even if she is has delivered the baby, 
the first thing out of her mouth always seems to me like something like, yeah, but I got to go back to work. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <sighs> unfortunately, we, they, you know, our mothers do project because they're so nervous about the fact that they've got such short um, maternity leave. Um, and so they know that they've got to go back to work and they want their babies to have breast milk long term. Uh, you know, I'm, I understand all that. My question is, have you ever found a good way to help mothers to realize that worrying about what happens six weeks from now really isn't useful? Yeah. How, when I, how do you when I use, focus? When, when I use the 12-step theory on them, they usually can focus on that a little bit. And the other piece, Marie, is that, you know, we just talked a little bit about prenatal. We're talking about what happens in the hospital. We'll talk about the discharge stuff in a few minutes. But that's a key piece is that mom has to understand that if she's with me for 48 hours in the hospital, she doesn't have to have all of her answers, her, her questions answered at that point because she's going to have me when she goes home. I'm a yes. phone call away. All she has to do is pick up the phone. So I always say to them, you know what, let's do a week of breastfeeding and then we'll t- touch base at the end of the week and you can ask me questions for the following week. And that usually gives mommy that little bit of, okay, now I can take a deep breath and not worry about 12 weeks because I know I'm going to have a lactation person that's going to help me with that stuff too. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, certainly one of the things that I have to guard against myself is that I find myself wanting to teach the mother everything I've ever learned all before she leaves the hospital. Well, that's 48 hours. You know, it's not realistic. Correct. And that's why I'm very clear on making sure that we don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Sherry, I know that you have had your share of working with uh, babies that are in the special care or the intensive care units. Uh, I find that mothers there already have a lot of anxiety. The, the fact that the baby is in the special care or the intensive care is enough to give anybody anxiety, but sometimes it happens after a labor that was premature or unexpected or complicated or whatever. So these mommies really have a lot of anxiety here. And sometimes there are things that are said that really kind of are little blows between the belt. Uh, what have you heard nurses say, well, nurses or anybody, I, I guess I'm thinking I've spent most of my life being around nurses, but things that anybody can say that are, are really disempowering to the mother who may in fact be expressing her milk. And um, how can mothers kind of deal with some of that junk? So um, it it is very interesting. You know, you've got a mom who, you know, has a premature baby. She's been in labor. She maybe abrupted. Something horrible happened. Her baby's now in special care. Even if something horrible didn't happen, the baby's having a little bit of respiratory distress. The baby going to special care nurseries or NICUs is just a really stressful time for mom. So now she's, you know, trying to pump. She's trying to sleep. She's trying to see her baby. Um, One of the patients heard a nurse say that she was a delinquent pumper. Oh, please. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm not even really sure what that means, but let's take a deep breath and let's figure this out. And when mom and I went through it, I talked to her about, you know, the um, amounts of minutes she should be pumping and so on and so forth. And we made a really good plan for her to move forward. Um, And so I gave her the education that she needed to have. And I say, always say to them, if you're sleeping, just sleep. And when you wake up, we can go ahead and do this. It really is important that the healthcare professionals are really careful about what they say. I don't ever believe, Marie, that somebody is mean and vicious and would say that in a mean way. But even just the verbiage of saying delinquent anything to a mom is really going to cause her high anxiety. Absolutely. I'm I'm thinking, how many times have I at the nurse's station called somebody a noncompliant patient? But, wow, you know, saying it to the mother (laughs) is, is not workable. Do you have any ways in which... How do you help the mother to kind of blow by that comment and just pick herself up and move on? 
I, I, you know what? They usually don't, though. No, um, don't. Moms, moms hang on to this for a really long time. But what I usually do with the moms who are pumping, Marie, um, and, and I'm, you know, talk to any of my colleagues, you know, I, one of my partners, Donna, um, sees how theatrical I am at all times. Um, and with mommies, I'm very uh, good with them when their babies are when they're pumping for their babies in special care. Um, I cover the mom up. I don't her, let her look at the pump. Um, we put a headset of music on her. We explain to her about hand expression. Um, and I always tell them to, you know, go to Niagara Falls in their mind and do Ooh. some visual activities. Ooh, um, I and like they, that. and I tell them you need to sit back and relax your shoulders. And they, they, they're in amazement because if they're not, I'm going to sit, I'm going to walk in. They're going to be sitting there with the breast pump in their hand, staring down saying, see, I don't have any milk. Right. Um, but this way, if we put them in a really relaxed position and, and have them sit back, sometimes we can get them to pass, go past those negative comments. Oh, I think that is just terrific. I love the idea of covering up the pump. I always cover mom up. I tell her I don't want you to look down. you got to give me 15 minutes. And, again, it's a stressful time, right? So what yeah. I say to her is you can stress for two hours and 45 minutes, and then if you can give me 15 minutes of no stress, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> and mom usually chuckles because she understands what I'm saying because sure. I tell her that I want her to release her milk and not hold it in. Um, and she gets that. And you can see the weight taken right off her shoulders when she Absolutely. wants to relax her body. I'm big on visualization. Yes. Yeah, so again, many times. My, that's my, my partner gave me that uh, Niagara Falls visual of just uh-huh. close your eyes and watch that waterfall. And yes. um, depending upon what pump you're using, um, at, at some point you change the water in the waterfall to milk. Um, and it's amazing how well that visualization works, Maureen. Well, truth is, we know that athletes, for example, they use visualization in order to imagine that the the ball is going to drop into the hole if they're golfing or, you know, whatever it is. And it's because those techniques really work. Yeah. Yep, and essentially, too. that's what you're doing with the mother as well. It's just that, you know, we don't think of breastfeeding as being a sport, but, you know, it, it sort of is. In the sense that you've got to be able to act and react and know when to relax and uh, the, the, the whole bit about those 15 minutes, if you can just relax, that is so, so important. Even Cheering. when I'm teaching a mom how to do hand expression, Marie, um, mm-hmm. and she's learning how to do it, I start to talk about something completely off um, the subject of breastfeeding so that she'll literally stop thinking about what she's doing and relax and let the colostrum flow. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally, totally agree. Jerry, what about women that have a baby who is going to be in the hospital for what I would call an extended period? You know that this is going to be a long haul. This mother needs a lot of nurturing. I find that in the beginning, they will do pretty much whatever you say, pump every three hours. Yes, yes, yes. They're right on it. But, you know, after a while, it all gets old. And they've got to go home. They've got other little kids to take care of. They've got the phone ringing, the FedEx guy at the door, you know, all these kinds of things. What can we do to nurture that kind of woman if we are her neighbor, her sister, her whomever? Again, what we're going to try to do, um, Marie, is hopefully we can get the the people in the community, her family members, um, to do the quote-unquote household stuff, meaning maybe make her a frozen lasagna, the kinds of things that she can just kind of prepare quickly to eat or to have for her family. Same thing I always say to the mom, you know, your mother-in-law just wants to do something nice for you, (laughs) and they always chuckle at me. Give her the laundry. Say, can you do two loads of laundry for me? That's going to take that off of your plate. Um, Your sister, you can have her do a little bit more for you because she's your sister. Uh, But if you give people very specific chores, 
um, then they're usually very accommodating to that. Absolutely. And I always put the significant other on that task. And I'll say to them, you know what, this is what mom's job is. And then this is what your job is. That's all people want to know, Marie, is what is my job in this? How can I help? Right. And as long right. as we give that to them, that usually works really well. The fact of the matter is you or I or anybody could probably la- uh, generate a laundry list of things from here to kingdom come. You could pick up the other little kid at dance class. You could offer to do some shopping, get some food for the mother while you're doing grocery shopping for yourself. You could uh, sometimes offer to drive her to the hospital. I'm thinking of times when I've worked in a major medical center where sometimes the mother lives 90 or 100 miles away. Well, you know, hello, she's postpartum. She's probably postoperative. She may not be allowed to drive. And maybe the spouse has got to go back to work. Hello. So sometimes just these really, when people say, what can I do to help? I don't think that mothers necessarily think that they can ask for help. But boy, they, I think it's okay to ask. I do. And, and, and But again, even being the family members, they could give a suggestion. You know, Absolutely. can I pick up your groceries? Can I pick up the child? Those kinds of things are really important, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sherry, one of the things that I know is important to you is that you think it's important for people to leave their baggage at the door when they meet the new mother. Talk to us about some things that you consider to be just baggage. So, you know, I often hear moms talk about um, their experience, and for the most part, Moms will tell me, oh, the nursing staff was great, but one nurse had something. Um, And it's very interesting. Um, I I mean, I've worked with wonderful nurses. Everybody has a bad day, Marie. Oh, Um, sure. And I I say to nurses all the time, this is not about you. This is not about the fact that you had a bad morning and you caught it and started, you had a flat tire or your assignment isn't good. When you go into that room, you've got to smile and you've got to do what's best for that mom. I think even more important, though, Marie, is as women, this breastfeeding endeavor – um, really holds on to us. And if you're a nurse who either didn't breastfeed your children or had a difficult time breastfeeding your children, um, you know, you can't bring that into the room with you. This is not about you and what happened with you. Right. Um, this right. is about this mommy um, and how we're going to help this mommy um, get through it. So when people often say to me, Sherry, what do you think? I always say to them, Marie, I don't have an opinion, which is not the case because my opinion is way out there. <laughs> what I tell them is, I, show, I give you the research and the evidence-based information to help this mom be as successful with breastfeeding as she can. And that's what our staff needs to do, too. And conversely, I would also say that not, not to excuse the nurse, but for mothers to keep in perspective that sometimes the nurse does have a heavy assignment. She has had a bad day. She did have a fender bender before she got to work that morning. And so sometimes stuff does come out of her mouth that, you know, probably shouldn't. But sometimes I think it's important for us to recognize that everybody's human. And sometimes it's just really those postpartum hormones that make it all just feel like it's just really, really uh, personal. And it it isn't necessarily. Sometimes it's just... People have got their own baggage and it doesn't have anything to do with you. It's just where they're at. And but, sometimes the moms themselves just hear things differently postpartum. Yes, yes. Um, and I've, you know, I've had nurses say it to me very often, but I recently had a doctor say to me after he heard one of my talks, she said, oh my goodness, Sherry, I went in and I spoke with this mom. I left and she cried and the nurses told me that something I said to her was, you know, made uh, her cry. And the doctor uh, said, I had no idea. 
But we do see that. I, you know, I've had lactation consultants say, I have this mom in the support class, and the mom comes out and doesn't even remember that she was there. So, so we yeah. have to remember where everybody's at, and I think postpartum is a really big part of that. Oh, yes, and as my old boss used to say, it's not just about the encoding, it's about the decoding. It's how exactly. people heard the message. Correct. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I am Marie Biancuzzo. I'm here with Sherry Spacco. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to Be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuzo. I'm here today with Sherry Spacco, IBCLC RN. Sherry, we've talked from the beginning sort of about prenatal care and then we've moved through intrapartum and postpartum. At some point, though, what's on your mind and what's on the mother's mind is, whoa, this is all kind of coming to a close here. Discharge is coming up and uh, you really got to do some planning around this in order to really help that woman to maximize her opportunities to breastfeed her baby. When you start thinking about discharge support, what do you think about doing for the mother and what do you think the mother should expect from you? So what I often uh, will always say to mommies is let's take a look and see what is going to happen when you go home. What's okay. your, what is the plan? What is the breastfeeding plan? And I'll write it out for her. Um, and again, I try to take things in very short increments, Marie. I don't make long-term goals for mommies. Um, I think it's important that we do short-term stuff for them, um, and I want to make sure um, that they understand of how to get help if they need it. 
Sherry, I want to go back to this part about the short-term goals because, you know, yeah. most of us, most of us have preached and preached how important it is to exclusive breastfeeding for six months, blah, blah, blah. And somewhere in that gets lost the idea that the six months isn't going to happen if you can't get through the next week. So how do you break this down for people and how do you get them to get focused on some short-term goals that are realistic and achievable? So what I always say to moms, again, I'm back at the 12-step program. I'm going to take one feeding at a time, <laughs> and I'm going to take this very short. And what I say to mom is, so you're going to go home, and for the next 24 hours, you're going to breastfeed your baby. I say the first two weeks of this are the hottest, so let's yeah. plan on breastfeeding our baby for a week. And then at the end of the week, you can most certainly, they can make a phone call to us whenever they need to, but that would be a really good time to touch base. Um, first two weeks are the hottest, and then I tell them to proceed from there, short-term goals stay within what's happening now. Sherry, tell us why you think that the first two weeks are the hardest. I think that what happens with moms is that they're, the, the, the fog of the hormones, Marie, um, have really taken over them. And, they, and their culture shock of, oh, my goodness, my whole life is now different, and I'm not the yes. person I was yesterday. Which is true. Which is true. Uh, but for some reason, our mommies, don't, they think that there's something wrong with them. Um, and, and so we need to explain to them that this is very normal um, and that we just want you to go home and continue the plan of breastfeeding and taking a nap and having something to eat um, and then continuing that on the day to day One of the things I learned from my wonderful friend, uh, Dr. Debbie Bokar in Oklahoma City, she said most women, when they hear how great breastfeeding is, how wonderful and thrilling and exhilarating it is, they're not talking about the first month or so. Absolutely not. <laughs> what a great. Correct. They're absolutely not right. right. Got to get Those... got to get to week six before that dance is down to a good size. And I'm not necessarily trying to offer a sentence of oh, it's going to be really difficult. I'm not really yeah. saying that. I'm just saying it's it's a major adjustment. Would you agree? How about if we use the word it's different? Yeah. It's different than what you've been used to, um, and now we want to go ahead and help you move on through it. I would totally, totally agree. Um, Sherry, in your experience, what do you think are probably the number one or two things that women really face in that first week that make them uneasy? Uh, it's probably going to be the sleep deprivation. Yeah. Um, you know, they're really exhausted and they really start to feel like I can't even, I don't know my name. I don't, I don't know yeah. where my socks are. I don't know where my keys are. Um, and I, I had a postpartum mom for a day today in the, in the clinic and um, she sat there and said to me, I, I don't know where anything is. And I said, you don't have to. You know where your baby is. Right. You know where you are. That's where I want you to stay focused. So that's I think that's a really response. key. Yeah. I think that's really key is the sleep. And all of this really comes back to what we've been hammering on here for the last several minutes is nurturing, nurturing, nurturing. Truth be told, mother is not going to be able to sleep enough unless somebody is helping. Exactly. Um, yep. And especially if she's got a lot of other kids at home. I mean, ideally, she would take a nap when the baby takes a nap, get the other kids to take a nap. But, but you know, honestly, it doesn't really always work out that way. Absolutely. You're 100% right. Somebody needs to be there so that she can take a nap. So some of it might be trying to arrange a play date uh, with the, the other, you know, the, the kids' regular friends. That's something that another mother can help to make happen so that maybe that is a time when the mother can catch a nap. I have seen people who are so sleep deprived that they're like walking zombies. And then I'm trying to tell them how great breastfeeding is, and they're like, yeah, I just want to close my eyes, you know. Absolutely. And they can't hear anything that we're trying to teach no. them anyway. Not at all. 
Sherry, can you kind of pull this together for us as we're coming to pretty much a close here for today? Uh, We're not out of time yet, but can you summarize really the three take-home messages that you would want for mothers to know if they hadn't listened to the whole show? Sure. You know, I, again, I'm, I'm always hoping um, that prenatal, that mom is getting some really good positive um, information and education, um, and she's surrounding herself with positive people. Um, and, and, Sherry, you know, on, on that, would you say that information is power? Information is all of the power, I think, at that point, yes. Definitely. Um, and then again, when she's in the hospital, when she's at home, I need her to have a really good support system, um, really positive people that can do all the things that we just talked about. Um, and then when she gets home postpartum, I need her to get help when she needs it. No, not everybody needs it, but you know, a lot of people have questions or something's going wrong. And two weeks postpartum, I see mom's you know, crack bleeding, nipples crying, a baby's losing weight. And I'm like, oh my goodness, where were you a week ago? I would have been able to help you. So I always say, you know, just have someone's name, whether it be mine or somebody else's or a family member, get them in there to help you sooner than later. Absolutely. Totally. Uh, Sherry, how how successful have you been with getting women to attend a La Leche League uh, meeting or something like that? Um, you know, at both my hospitals, we have uh, a great support groups. Um, they're full, Marie. <laughs> uh, moms are in there all the time looking for some support. And the interesting yes. thing is, is that the support group is always filled because the other moms can help them, which is, yes. I think it's much more important than them listening to me. Um, and then the outpatient lactation clinics also are doing well because that's where mom can get the help from that. So we, they'll, yes. they'll go and get the help wherever they could get it. Absolutely. One of the things that I always have to talk to women about is, that before I let them out the door, I always say, you have to be able to identify three sources of support. And oh, by the way, that doesn't count me. I'm not one of those three. I'm something else. But La Leche League, for example, is a way in which you've got sort of some, maybe not instant support, but that's a real quick way of identifying people who are usually willing to support you. They've been through it themselves. This is why they're part of the league, etc. And certainly anybody else who's had a positive breastfeeding experience, those people are usually very willing to be that support person. And boy, I'd be the first one to say you've really got to get those folks lined up early in the game, not when things start to go south. And so with, anyway, with social media now, Marie, it's really easy to do that on Facebook. And there are a lot of really great places to, to moms to contact each other. Totally, totally would agree. Well, tell you what, that's all the time that we have today. I'd like to thank Sherry Spacko for being with us today. I would also like to thank our sponsors, Nuru at com and NewAngel.com. And I'd also like to thank all of you for listening, and I'd like to invite you to come back next week, too. By Thank all you so means, much for having me, Marie. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. It's been really great having you. Uh, please visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com for a preview of what's coming up. If you're a mother, if you're a professional, please visit my website at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com to find out what sort of professional education you can get. Remember that I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise that I will help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. 
Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.